Last Sunday, Pastor Stacy introduced the topic that's going to be the subject for our messages, our sermons these next several Sundays, and that topic is God's grace. She even called it God's common grace, both because it's common among us all and because we experience it in many common ways in our lives and in our world. And the message this morning is going to be about how we experience God's grace, this common grace among us in our gifts that have been given to us by God through the Holy Spirit. And I want to echo Polly's comments that she opened worship with, and uh, I hope I speak on behalf of Pastor Stacy when I say we're celebrating the fact that we get to continue to experience God's grace with you here at Shambly for another year. I want to offer you this scripture this morning. It's from Acts, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. This is what it says. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Peter asked, These people have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Surely no one can stop them from being baptized with water, can they? And he directed that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited Peter to stay with them for several days. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, this might sound like a Pentecost scripture, and the rest of what I share may sound like a Pentecost sermon, and it's not Pentecost yet. That is true. We typically, in the church calendar, celebrate Pentecost 50 days after Easter. That's why it's called Pentecost. It's 50, the 50th day. And we're not 50 days out from Easter. We're just a couple of weeks. But how in the world do you even keep time anymore anyway? 50 days, two weeks, a year? I I don't know. So we're just going to go with it. So here's a a Pentecosty kind of sermon and a Pentecosty kind of scripture for us these two weeks after Easter. And that first verse that we read says, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. Now, for a little context, it would help to go back and read the rest of chapter 10 of Acts. And if you're looking for something to read in the Bible this week, I encourage you, go read Acts chapter 10. It's good. It tells the story of Cornelius, who was a Roman officer, but who was received a visit from an angel of the Lord and, and believed in God and sent for Peter to, to have Peter bless him in his house. And, and then Peter has this dream where God lowers food down in front of him 
animals of all different kinds, clean and unclean, and tells him, go, kill, eat. And Peter has this revelation that the things that they had historically called unclean, God was saying, it's mine, I created it, it's clean. And it meant more than just giving permission to eat catfish and barbecue. It meant that all of the people of the world God had created and claimed. And he said, I, I love them and they belong to me, Peter, everyone, including Cornelius, this Roman officer. And then Peter preaches that message to everyone who is around him. He shares with them the revelation that he had received from God, that God is Lord of all. And God's love and forgiveness are for you, are for everyone. And more specific to this passage and this revelation of Peter is that God's love and forgiveness are for that person or those people that you think couldn't possibly be loved by God or that you think you couldn't possibly love or forgive. And Peter lifts up Jesus's ministry of love, healing, forgiveness, and restoration as being for everyone. And once Peter realizes God's love doesn't show partiality or play favorites, so neither should we, then it says the Holy Spirit of God was poured out on everyone. Everyone experienced the grace of God in receiving the Holy Spirit of God. And it says Peter was astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even to the Gentiles which is you and me, by the way, most likely. But the challenge for us in even processing the lesson here is that most of us are white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestants, and especially us living here in America, we're accustomed to being more in the social, cultural and religious position of the Jews at that time, not the Gentiles. There's a certain sense, especially when reading the Bible, that we see that the Jews had the market cornered on God. God's chosen people, if you will. But then Peter says, who am I? Who are we to say who can and cannot be a recipient of the Holy Spirit of God? I do wonder how they processed and, and made sense out of what they were experiencing when the Holy Spirit of God was poured out and fell upon everybody, Jew and Gentile alike. I wonder if, they, if the Jews just thought, well, God was aiming for us, but, but some of the Holy Spirit just sort of splashed out and, and got on the Gentiles too. Or God was pouring the Holy Spirit out to us, to me, and, and the folks just nearby and in proximity just got some secondhand spirit. And, and so they got a little bit of it too. 
Or is that just the way God is? Pouring out the Holy Spirit liberally on any and everyone willing to receive. And then it said they began to hear people praising God in other languages, speaking new and different languages, which again would have been at some level dissettling for the Jews because God talk was spoken in our language. One language. But now it's being spoken in many different and new languages. Praise God in many new and different languages. In English, in Spanish, in Korean, in the Queen's English, in slang, in emojis, in gifts. I don't care. Just name the love of God in Jesus in any and every language. We are also speaking the love of God in other kinds of languages. Every activity and ministry of this church is a language with which we speak the love and praise of God. Children's ministry, youth ministry, missions, music ministry, the hygiene kit, collection and packaging, card writing, And it takes all of us with the Holy Spirit stirring in and among us to speak all these languages. It reminds me of an age-old fable, uh, the one about stone soup. Probably you're familiar with that. You've heard that story before. I've, I've heard it told in different ways. I've I've heard that it starts with a person or two people. I've heard it told as a monk or soldiers coming home from a battle or just people of no particular description at all. But as the story goes, this person or people, they're hungry and they come into a town or into their village and where everyone is hungry and there's not enough food to eat. Feel Food is scarce. People are hungry and in need. And so this person has a kettle and a stone and decides to go around the village and convince people to make soup with them. And he says, I've got this kettle and this stone and we'll make stone soup I'll just pour some water in here and throw my stone in and put it on the fire to cook and it'll be delicious. And it's perplexing and confusing to the people of the village how cooking a stone in water is going to be delicious. God bless my children for eating my cooking that probably a lot of times tastes like stone soup, but... But one by one, this person goes to the households in the village and says, look, if you'll just put, if you've got one carrot, if you'll just put your carrot in, 
That'll be the last ingredient I need for my stone soup, and it'll be delicious, and we can share it together. And, and then the next household, if you'll, if you'll just put one potato in, if you, if you have one potato you can put in, and the next household, if you can just put, if you have one ear of corn that you can put in, and the next household, if, if you've just got one handful of beans, and, and before long, everybody in the village has contributed one of what they have into this soup that then cooks and becomes a meal that is enough to feed everybody in the village. And I can't help but think that that's so much like the life of our church and us experiencing the grace of God in the gifts and giftedness that we have in the Holy Spirit. That is, each of us brings just what we have and who we are and contribute it together into this pot, into this kettle that is the church. And we can cook up something. And, and we've got countless opportunities and places and ways to connect, to participate, to bring that of what we have and of who we are Alexis and Ben need help with the production of worship on Sundays, especially as we go back into the building, because we're going to continue to stream the services online, which means it's going to take more helping hands. Alan is going to need more people in the choir. Those cardboard cutouts just don't sound as good as they look. Linda is going to need more people to help welcome and greet and seat folks when they arrive. Aaron, our new children's minister, along with the children's counselor, trying to figure out how do we engage children safely as we go back in the building. And they're going to need more helping hands for us to do that. She told me that when the Vacation Bible School registration opened up, it filled up faster than Taylor Swift concerts sell out. And so now they've got to figure out what do we do to be able to continue to offer Bible school to kids in our community. And that may mean expanding it, which means the need for more people to participate and contribute. Stacy's developing new discipleship opportunities, classes and groups, and we'll need facilitators. It's one of the reasons that I appreciate the work that is being done by the leadership of our church to explore a simplified board structure. Because that model gets people out of committee meetings and into speaking our many languages of the love of God to our world. And I'll be honest, I get nervous about putting the church back in the building. Not because of the dangers related to COVID, I feel like we're doing well to have safety procedures and protocols in place. But because I, I don't want us to, to turn right back toward the structure of the building as the place where we be the church for the world. We are the church for the world out here, filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing all of our giftedness. Not. I, I do know that getting back in the building gives us an opportunity to be together, to be with each other, 
to share our lives of faith together. And we need that. I had a conversation with a member of our church this week who said basically that, that he misses being with his church family on a regular basis. And he even named that the, so many of the relationships that he has in his life and in his world, and many of them revolve around his work, that they're so transactional in nature. People want something from me, and I give them something in exchange for something else. And, and how it's not that way in the church. That in the church, you and I bring what we have, the best of who we are and what we have to offer and give, and we put it all together together, not to get something in exchange, but to create and offer something wonderful and holy to God and to the world. And then Peter's revelation goes on and he realizes that if God's Holy Spirit can be poured out on anyone, then any and everyone can be baptized and called clean and worthy before God. And so I, I think our church is like the kettle in that story. And if the church is the kettle, and we add the waters of baptism, and the stone of a committee to just get things started, And then we add to it what you have to offer and bring, what I have to offer and bring. And we cook it on the fire of the Holy Spirit. The possibilities are endless. Now, granted, it won't be much of a soup if all we bring is our committee stones and our own bowls and spoons. But yes, you bring your bowl and you bring your spoon and you bring your carrot and you bring your beans and you bring your corn and you bring your okra and I'll bring my potato. You bring the Holy Spirit that is within you. Bring your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service and your witness. Bring that flavor that is you and that only you can bring. And let's make a soup so delicious and so plentiful that we will all be amazed at just how many people will taste and see that God is good. Let's pray. Oh, God. God of our world, God of our church, God of our kettle, our stone and our soup. God, we thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on your people, on us. God, we thank you for the gifts that we receive that make us who we are, that we can bring, give, and contribute. 
and experience your grace among us as we do. Oh God, may we all know the joy of speaking the languages of your love in our world today. This is our prayer together in the name of Jesus. Amen.